Prioritizing self-care, mindfulness, and work-life balance can feel impossible in a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps-and-embrace-the-suck military culture. As a military officer, I've witnessed amazing leaders crash and burn because they were trying to be everything for everyone. Service before self became service at the detriment of self. But I'm here to change the narrative in our military culture and show you that you don't have to be a perfectionist, workaholic robot to be successful. Welcome to Leading with Heart, a podcast to help women in military leadership thrive. I'm your host, Christina Madison. It's my mission to teach you the skills and mindset needed to take excellent care of yourself so you can prevent burnout take excellent care of your people, and shift the culture around self-care and well-being in the military. I'll teach you the, quote, softer skills of leadership that are vital for a sustainable and humane power setting for your military career. Skills like emotional intelligence, so you can be a more empathetic and connected leader. Skills like boundary setting, so you have time and energy for the other priorities in your life, like your family, your passions, and rest. Skills like self-compassion to help you cope if you fall short of your own expectations. And skills like rising strong from failure and teaching others to do the same. This is Leading with Heart. Hi everyone and welcome to the first official podcast episode of Leading with Heart. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining me on this journey. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the why. I love Simon Sinek. I'm a big fan of his, and I love his book, Start With Why. And that's what we're going to focus on on this episode is talking about the why, the why behind what I do, the why behind my message, and the ultimate why behind me launching and leading this podcast. We're going to talk about five different reasons that I believe leaders at all levels should practice self-care. Leaders from the lowest level of supervision all the way up to the very senior leaders of our military and our Department of Defense, because ultimately leaders at every level need to care for themselves. And I think it's important for our overall mission success and the health of our people. So let's kick this episode off with reason number one. Self-care prevents burnout. Burnout has been a topic of discussion over the past couple of years, and I feel like I really got to know and understand burnout a lot better when I read the book Burnout, A Guide to Completing the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. They, when I read this book, it was a total eye-opener as to how chronic stress can physiologically, physically, and mentally, and even emotionally impact our beings. And that is when I really started to formulate this idea around the relationship between self-care and and burnout. And I think a lot of people talk about this. A lot of people, you know, talk about how self-care and yoga and meditation And all that good stuff is the solution for burnout. And yet, we as leaders in the military remain burned out. And so I think there's a missing link here. There's a lot of knowledge out there around self-care, and there's a lot of knowledge out there about burnout, but we're missing something. 
there's this missing link between knowledge and practice. And so actively practicing self-care on a regular, recurring basis, I think is so important. And treating self-care as a non-negotiable instead of a luxury. And I think that's what so many of us struggle with. I know myself, you know, when I was, and, and still do, active duty and, and now in the reserves, I struggle with this feeling of enoughness. I've always got to be doing something else. I've got to be productive. I've got to be achieving, getting tasks done, answering emails, working on big projects. What I discovered was that self-care was something that I eventually earned for myself. After a long week of work, then I could practice self-care. Or after, you know, I get through this exercise, well, then I can take some time off. Then I can go get a massage. Then I can go to the spa. I think therein lies a lot of the problem in that we treat self-care as something that's negotiable, as something that we have to earn as leaders, as something that eventually will do enough to deserve. And so here's where we start to change the approach to self-care. We've got to treat self-care as a non-negotiable as leaders because if you keep putting your own needs on the back burner, if you keep putting it off until you're retired or until the next assignment or until the end of this month or until, 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 if we keep putting it off until the perfect time, it's never going to happen, right? We're going to continue to run ourselves into the ground. We're going to put more and more on our plates and ultimately result in chronic stress and possibly burnout. And if you're listening, I know you don't want to be burned out. Like, being burned out sucks. You're exhausted and fatigued all the time. You feel like nothing you do is really making a difference. You feel almost apathetic about the things that you used to have passion for. And that's not how we want to be. We want to feel vibrant. We want to feel passionate. We want to feel excited about our jobs, about our career. We want to look forward to going to work every day, not dread it and have stress dreams about it. There's a lot of different ways to approach burnout, and, and I highly encourage you to read that book that I suggested earlier. But my suggestion here is military leaders need regular self-care because we have to constantly be ready. We've got to constantly be ready for the next thing, the next change, the next deployment, the next unexpected, the next PCS. And we can't be ready. We can't be ready for the next challenge, the next obstacle if we are burned out. We can't navigate that next challenge or obstacle if we ourselves are just struggling and, and scraping the bottom of the barrel. And so I know you've heard the analogy, you've got to fill your own cup. You can't pour from an empty cup. You got to put on your own oxygen mask first. I know you've heard them. They've been driven into the ground, but they are really true. You can't pour into others if you're not pouring into yourself. You can't be empathetic to others if you're not being empathetic to yourself. You can't give of your time and energy to others if you are constantly refusing to give your time and energy to yourself. And am I saying, you know, you need to only focus on yourself and, and, and it's having that like selfish approach? No, of course not. But when you take this approach of self-care being a non-negotiable, 
then things start to shift in your life and you start to treat it as a habit instead of an every once in a while type activity. So ultimately, what I want to get at here is leaders need self-care because it prevents burnout, it fills your cup, and it allows you to really show up for the people that work for and with you and be the best version of yourself for them, for the mission, and for our country. So that's number one. Let's move on to number two. Self-awareness is my number two. The military needs more self-aware leaders. And if you're listening at some point, unless you just joined the military yesterday, you probably worked for a toxic leader. And I bet your experience was pretty miserable. I've worked for a toxic commander, and yeah, it was not fun. I've also witnessed robotic and sterilized leadership. I've worked for people that have lacked awareness, they've lacked compassion and empathy. And if you're listening, then I hope you haven't, but you, unfortunately, you've probably experienced working with or for someone like this. And I want you to ask the question, how did you like working with them? How did you like working for a leader that lacked self-awareness? So in my community and with the clients that I work with, we always start with self-awareness. I'm always saying, if you want to change something, the first step is self-awareness. You got to know what's happening right now. And self-care and self-awareness are very linked together. It might not seem obvious, but they are because a lot of self-care has to do with mindfulness. And mindfulness is such a huge part of developing and cultivating self-awareness. Because ultimately, my mission is to help you bring your whole authentic self to your commitment of service. And in order to do that, we have to be able to lead others with compassion, vulnerability, and empathy. Our military needs more leaders that are willing to lead like that. And you can't lead with compassion, vulnerability, and empathy if you lack self-awareness. So I heard this phrase one time. I'm pretty sure I can credit it to Brene Brown. I feel like I read it in one of her books where it talks about leader, heal thyself. We need to understand where we're hurting. We need to understand as leaders where we are stuck, where we are getting in our own way and self-sabotaging. We need to have awareness around what triggers us and what causes us to emotionally react to a situation rather than respond. So self-awareness helps us to understand our patterns and thoughts and behaviors better, and it puts us in a growth mindset. Okay, the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset can make all the difference in a leader. A fixed mindset says, this is just the way I am. I'm not going to change. I can't change. A growth mindset is just that. It's I I can change. I can grow. I can get better. I can improve in these areas. I can heal from the things that have happened to me. So when we cultivate our self-awareness, when we care about ourselves and understand our needs, our desires, our longings, When we understand our inner operating system, how we communicate, what motivates us, and what fears we're trying to avoid, we go on this journey of self-discovery. And I think self-discovery and self-awareness are a crucial aspect of living life on purpose. Because when we 
get to know ourselves, when we cultivate self-awareness and you add that together with self-care, then I think ultimately we grow and we grow and we flourish and we thrive as leaders. So in order for us to practice self-awareness, we have to create space for ourselves. Self-awareness, cultivating self-awareness can't happen when you are constantly busy. It takes time for reflection and processing and asking questions and curiosity going inward. And we can't do that when we're burning the candle at both ends. So I think that self-care allows us to create space in our lives for that reflection. And I think cultivating self-awareness is an act of self-care in and of itself. So that's number two in this episode, why leaders need self-care, is because it helps us cultivate self-awareness. All right, number three, self-care helps us to regulate your nervous system. Now, I could probably talk your head off for several hours about your nervous system and how it's impacted by stress, but I'll give you the down and dirty. We're going to talk about two pieces of your nervous system today, which are the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic part of your nervous system is associated with your fight or flight. These are your basic survival instincts. They help keep you alive, which is really important, especially if there's a very real threat and you need to get away from it. Your parasympathetic nervous system is associated with your rest and digest functions. So we need our parasympathetic nervous system in order to be able to sleep, in order to heal, in order for our maintenance functions of the body to operate, like digestion, like our immune system, like our reproductive system. When we are under high levels of stress, that stimulates our sympathetic nervous system. And our bodies can't differentiate between the stress of a real, true threat to life and the stress of work and the stress of like the 21st century. Our body doesn't know the difference. Stress is stress. So no matter what version of stress you're getting, whether it's a a threat or danger, or it's the, the stress of having too much on your plate at work or trying to balance all the things, work life, home life, the body can't tell the difference. So when you're stressed about work, your body still puts itself into fight or flight mode. And fight or flight mode is not meant to be used all the time. Your sympathetic nervous system is not meant to be on all the time. Your body is designed to have a balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic. But most of us live with our sympathetic nervous system running over time. And this has some serious long-term damaging effects. There's research out there that shows the impact of long-term chronic stress and being overstimulated within your sympathetic nervous system. And so when we practice self-care, when we do the things that help us to feel our best, that meet our needs, that help us to be calm and present and slow, then we're stimulating our parasympathetic nervous system. Do you ever wonder why you feel so relaxed after the shavasana at an end of yoga class? That's because your parasympathetic nervous system has been stimulated. We stimulate our parasympathetic nervous system whenever we do something that's slow, that's repetitive, that's calming, yoga, meditation, deep breathing, all of that helps to bring our 
nervous system into balance and find equilibrium between our sympathetic and parasympathetic. But I want to take that a step further. It's not just about making sure you relax on a regular basis. While that is important, it's good for your heart, it's good for your blood and circulatory system, it's good for a lot of things. But it goes beyond just the physical benefits of making time for slowness and relaxation and calm. There's a mental piece to it as well. So when I learned this, I I swear y'all, my head just about exploded when I learned this. When you are active in your sympathetic nervous system, it stimulates some of the base functions of the brain. Think of it as the reptilian portion of our brain that's associated with survival. Well, through our own evolution, our brain has grown, right? We as humans have developed the prefrontal cortex. Our prefrontal cortex portion of the brain is responsible for higher cognitive thinking and complex decision making. And guess what? You lose access to this part of your brain when you are under intense stress or your sympathetic nervous system is in charge. What? Can you even believe that? You lose access to your ability to think at a higher level and to make complex decisions when you are chronically stressed all the time. Why do you think the special operators go through so many iterations and stress inoculation? It's so that they can be calm in the moment that it matters most because they have to think higher and make complex decisions when they're in the middle of like a firefight or a very like complex situation. And so by regulating our nervous system, by regularly taking time to stimulate the parasympathetic, we regain access to those higher levels of thinking. We are able to better stimulate and utilize our prefrontal cortex part of our brain rather than relying on like our basic survival portions of our brain. Isn't that so crazy? Man, science is cool. Science is so neat. So regulating your nervous system, yes, allows you to think at a higher level. Yes, allows you to make more complex decisions. And it allows you to respond in a situation rather than react. So when you think about a trigger, someone says something to you that really pisses you off or or something stressful happens, you immediately tend to react, right? There's this immediate knee-jerk reaction. There's an immediate emotion like anger or frustration or sadness. And when we practice self-care and regulate this aspect of our nervous system, then we get to the point where we are able to take a step back, think about our response and respond calmly, respond in the present moment rather than responding out of anger or fear. And that is a huge area of growth in leadership when you cannot be triggered by stressors, but instead take a moment, take a breath and respond with something that's thought out, something that's measured and something that's calm. Okay. So that's number three. Self-care allows us to regulate our nervous system. Number four is it allows you to live your life. Self-care allows you to live your life because there is more to life than just work. And I know you know that, but sometimes I think our actions are in direct contrast to that. We act like work is the only thing that matters, 
We work 14, 16, 18-hour days. We kill ourselves. For the name of what? For the name of service before self? For the name of being better than everyone else? For the name of serving our people? No. No, serving your people is by taking care of yourself, is by setting healthy boundaries, is by taking time for the things in your life that matter, like your family, like your passions and hobbies, the things that bring you joy. So don't wait to take care of yourself until everything else is done. Don't wait until you have time for your self-care because guess what? That's never going to happen. Okay, you're always going to be busy if you allow yourself to be. And treating your needs like they don't matter, like you can just put them on the back burner and pretend that they don't exist in the name of serving others, you are giving others the version of yourself that is exhausted and depleted and tired and burnt out. And they don't want that. They don't need that. Our military doesn't need burnt out leaders. Our military needs leaders that are at, they're operating at the best version of themselves. Leaders that have been regularly filling their cups so that they have an abundance to give others rather than trying to pull from the dregs. Okay, so making these mindset shifts around self-care, I know it's not easy because you've probably been doing things the same way for years, maybe even decades, and they don't happen overnight. But ultimately, when leaders care for themselves and make time for things in their life that are beyond just work, when you make time for the things in your life beyond just work, then You have healthy boundaries. You leave work at a reasonable hour and you make time for the things that are fun and pleasurable and give you joy. You start to develop a harmony between military life and home life and living life. You don't have to wait until retirement to live your life. You get to do that right now. And when you prioritize your self-care, then you get to give from a full cup rather than an empty one. You get to give to the people that you work with. You get to give to your children if you have them. You get to give to your spouse and partner if you have one. You get to give to the other people in your life, like family and friends that matter to you. But you can't do that if you are running on fumes. Okay, so fill your cup so that you can meet your needs Meet your needs so that you have the energy and focus to meet the needs of your team, to meet the needs of your coworkers, to meet the needs of your family, to meet the needs of your children. Can't do that if you are running on empty, my friend. Live your life. Enjoy now because we don't know how many more days we're going to get. You know, we, we don't know how long we have on this earth. And if you are waiting until retirement to live your life, then you might miss out on the best parts of your life. The work is always going to be there. But if you imagine yourself on your deathbed, I imagine you're not going to regret the hours that you didn't spend at work. You're going to regret the hours that you didn't spend traveling, going on adventures, being with your family. That's the kind of stuff we regret at the end. So don't wait. 
Start making changes now, today, no matter what job you're in, no matter how complicated your job is, no matter how important your job is, there are ways for you to make time for your self-care right now. There are ways for you to start living your life right now. And that leads us to number five. When you do these things, everything that we've talked about so far, when you prevent burnout, when you make your self-care a non-negotiable, when you practice self-awareness and and get yourself in a growth mindset, when you regulate your nervous system so that you can think at a higher level and be more present in the moment, when you live your life instead of just working nonstop, then you ultimately are, number five, modeling it for everyone else. Talking the talk is cheap. Words are cheap. Okay, if a leader tells me to take care of myself, but then I see them absolutely destroying their health and working extremely long days, I'm going to feel pressure to do the same. I'm not going to believe them as authentic. I'm not going to believe that it's okay for me to take care of myself. I'm going to feel guilt. I'm going to feel wrong. So if you are a leader in any capacity, you get to walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Embody what you preach to your team. Embody what you preach to your airmen, soldiers, sailor, marines, and uh, whatever the new Space Force term is, because I don't, I don't know it yet, you guys. I'm sorry. You can message me later about it. Gives others permission to take care of themselves. Okay, when you do it too, it gives others permission to take care of themselves. Because a leader that preaches self-care but burns themselves to the ground is leading out of integrity. You are out of integrity, my friend. And one of our core values in the Air Force, at least, is integrity first. We are supposed to lead and live with integrity. So don't say something that you are not willing to practice on your own. Model it. Walk the walk. Give others permission to care for themselves, to make time for their families, to go home at a reasonable hour to take time off for their mental or physical health when they need it. Model the behavior. Be the leader that embodies the practice, yeah? Okay, so that is it for this episode. We covered a lot. We covered a lot of my why, a lot of the the foundation of what I am going to teach you about on this podcast. So I hope you learned something today. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time for our next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on Leading with Heart. To view the complete show notes and all the resources I mentioned in today's episode, you can visit my website, which I've linked below. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you're enjoying Leading with Heart, I'd love to ask you to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways that Apple and Spotify rank their podcasts. So even though it only takes a few seconds, it really does make a difference and helps me reach more military leaders like you. Thank you again for joining me, Christina Madison, in this episode of Leading with Heart. I'll see you next time.